Morning. Welcome to the Sunshine Coast. I'm from Southern California where the sun's always out. So did I bring the sun? Thank you. <laughs> Southern California, Newport Beach, Newport Beach. Very close to Balboa Island. Yeah, our church is about, oh, maybe three miles from Balboa Island. I tried to get it on the island. That didn't work. <laughs> so I'm so pleased to be here all this weekend. It's been such a refreshing, since it's called Refresh, it's been such a refreshing time. And I've, I've just had so much great interaction with you guys. I mean, it's, this is what I love about Christianity. It's one of those things that fellowship is very, very unique compared to anything else in the world. I was in Thailand with my wife for the Calvary Chapel Asia Conference. We've been going to that conference for many, many years. And this last year was the first year that my wife went with me. And uh, we celebrated 40 years of marriage when we were there. <laughs> I appreciate that response, but the, wrong, the, the right response is, I can't believe he's been married for 40 years. He looks so young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was so cool. So the first night, we're in Thailand. We were meeting some people for dinner at the restaurant. And so we walk in, and there's a young man that I've been working with in India for many years. And he, um, he's probably in his late 30s, and uh, he's married. So he and his wife were in the restaurant. And then uh, we walked in, and they were waiting for us. And then there was another young couple from Kauai, of all places. Why they were in, in Asia, I don't know. But they, they came in, and they were probably in their late 20s. And then a young man that we had uh, become friends with uh, not long ago from Pakistan came in, and he, and he sat down. And then there was a guy from England that was from Pakistan uh, originally, but he now lives in England. He came and sat down. And then there was another guy from India that we've been working with from another part of India up near the Pakistani border. Some of them were converted Hindus and one was a converted Muslim. And we're sitting around the table. We're all different ages. We come from different cultures. We're different colors. I mean, what a diverse group of people. Do you know we sat in that restaurant and had fellowship for three and a half hours? Now, the question is, what did we have in common that kept us talking for that long? Jesus. You know, when we think about fellowship, what that word means and how, how it is in regards, how we're to apply it in the church, you know, that word is, and I started our Friday night off talking about this, so I'm going to recap just a little bit so for those of, the, of us that weren't there, we can get a good idea what, what this fellowship is. You know, all of us, Christ was our life. And so we're all telling our testimonies about how Jesus met us in Pakistan, in India, in England, in Hawaii, all different places from the globe, but how Jesus met us individually. And then we had that commonality about how Jesus is working through us, and now all of us are serving in the ministry. And it was just so powerful and so impactful that we realize that this is what true Christian fellowship is. The word fellowship in the Greek language what you get in the New Testament is koinonia. It's used 20 times. Um, it's used uh, in the way of we communicate with one another. It's also used in the way that we partake in communion today. It talks about how giving, uh, financial giving is a part of koinonia. But the times that it's used mostly is in regards to the word fellowship. And that word fellowship is a very intimate word. It's something that is um, defined as communion with God, which results in co common participation with other believers in the spirit of God and God's blessings. And so when we think about the word fellowship, it's one of intimacy. It's one of love. It's one of a deep, caring love for one another. And only the Christian life has that. We were um, talking about my family, my family, my blood family. Many of them aren't believers. And I know them well, and they know me well. 
but my church family knows me better than they do. And that just kind of struck me. It's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And so today what I want to talk about is how Jesus builds the church through fellowship. And so I want to take you to 1 John chapter 1, if you would turn there with me, 1 John chapter 1, because it just so happens in the first seven verses of 1 John chapter 1, we, you see the word fellowship being used four times. So out of the 20 times in the Bible, we're going to see it four times used here, which I think he's wanting us to understand what fellowship is. And so let's read just the first four verses to start in 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and we bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was uh, the Father and manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Will you pray with me? Father, those words, that your joy may be full jumped off the page to me. Lord, all of us in this room want to experience that abundant joy, that abundant life. Jesus, you said it yourself that you came to give life in that more abundantly. And we learn today, and we're going to learn today, that that is done through fellowship. And that's how you built the church. So I pray today, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to a greater understanding of what your idea of fellowship is. Not ours, Lord. We want to be in the center of your will, knowing that's where we're going to experience the fullness of your joy. And so we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That our joy may be full. Is there one person in this room that doesn't want to have a fullness of joy? I didn't think anybody would raise their hand. We all want a fullness of joy, don't we? I mean, joyful times together are things that you'll never, ever forget. The times that we spend together are always going to be remembered in the joy and in the suffering, which is interesting as we start talking about fellowship. The things that we forget are, is everything in between, the mundane, the boring, the life. But when there's joy or when there's suffering, you know what happens? Jesus is with us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and one another in that fellowship. And he begins this whole section by saying that which was from the beginning. Now we know in context that Jesus is talking, or John is writing about the time that he was with Jesus. That he got to see him, he got to hear him, he got to touch him. Have you ever thought about how wonderful that would be to be... I call him tangible Jesus. <laughs> you could touch him, you could feel him, you could hear him, you could see him. But we even have a greater gift in that we have been given the Holy Spirit that he lives in us. So in reality, he's closer to us today than he was to his disciples in that day. He's in us. And so this is such a great, beautiful picture of true fellowship. John starts by saying that which was from the beginning. And I shared Friday night how in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And he created man on the sixth day. And I talked about how God took the dust from the ground and he formed man in his hand. And there man's body was lifeless and, and he, he breathed his own breath into man and man had life. And at that moment he had life. And we talked about how God says that we're created in his image and in his likeness. And what does that mean? And we talked about how we're created in his image, that we're like him, like him in the sense that we can reason, we can think, we can understand, we can calculate, we can do those types of things in which God can do. But that we're also given great abilities. 
to take those things that he's created us to do and to apply them to our lives. And we talked about how he created us to be creative as he is creative. God formed the worlds out of nothing and he brought in this beauty. You know, that's the thing that I've enjoyed about being in Canada the most is just you, you see God's beauty. Orange County, where I live, it's beautiful, but if the buildings and the fake palm trees weren't there, it would just be a desert. You know, man has made it beautiful, but up here, this is God's country. I'm going to move to Canada. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just so beautiful, and so it's in the beginning that God, and he gave us that a creative ability. Every single person in this room, in this room is creative in one way or another. Even accountants are creative. <laughs> I met one last night. I'm tired. Is that Matt's wife? Oh, yeah. She's very creative. <laughs> and then we have the musicians that were up here that were very creative. And we think about how God has given us this creative ability and technology and all these different things. And then he's made us communicative. They were able to communicate as the worship team was singing songs. You were understanding the songs. You were taking them in. And weren't we blessed? The first words that God spoke to Adam and Eve, he blessed them. And so we have that same ability, that same creative ability to communicate blessing to one another. But he also created all mankind in his image and his likeness with a moral conscience. Every person, whether believer or unbeliever, has a sense of right and wrong. It's in them. And so we learn that um, then sin entered the world and we were separated from God, which separated us from having that joy. Now, when I think about that creation, the first place that he put Adam was in the garden, the Garden of Eden. Anybody know what the Hebrew word for Eden is? I don't either, but do you know what it means? I just love throwing stuff out there like that. It's like, the word means happy place, which I thought was really interesting. Di I always thought Disneyland was the happy place, but it was the Garden of Eden that God took Adam and placed him in this happy place. And you know what God and Adam had from the beginning? Fellowship. I was going to sing this hymn to you, but you wouldn't like that, so I'll just read it to you. One of my favorite hymns is in the garden. I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Aren't I love the hymns? Think about the richness, the joy of fellowship with the Father from the beginning of time. Why did he create mankind? Why did he create us? That we might have fellowship or communion with us. God gave the answer to Jeremiah. I loved you with an everlasting love. When we think of the Father, as we sit in the palm of his hand, what is the Father thinking of us? I love you with an everlasting love. Everlasting means constantly reoccurring, um, forever eternal. That's how much God loves us, which is just an amazing thing. He wants to have a loving, caring, intimate relationship with us that we might have a loving, caring and, uh, relationship with others. That is the purpose. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Not 1 John, but John, the book of John. Same guy, different book. So we saw in the beginning that God created mankind to have fellowship with them. And then in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, I'm just going to read them. Um, I'm not going to talk about them in depth, in depth because that's a whole other study. But you'll get an idea here of what happened in the beginning when Jesus came. This is when John was able to see, to hear, and to touch Jesus. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Just for clarity, that's Jesus. He is the Word of God. He is the Son of God and the Word of God. 
He was in the beginning with God, so that means that Jesus was there when God formed the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. That's the triunity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They were all part of that creation process. That's why it says in Genesis, let us make mankind in our likeness, in our image, in our likeness. So we have all of that. Then he goes on, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was um, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness uh, did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This, jo- this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Just reading the word just is amazing to me that in the beginning of time, God spoke the world Uh, into creation or into existence he breathed his own breath into man when jesus was sent down to the world in human form he came to give us life and light (coughs) and we see the glory of god through him he dwelt among us that word dwelt is the same word that we would use as tabernacled that he was with us he fellowshiped with us Jesus and the John and all the disciples spent three, three and a half years in fellowship with Jesus as they walked with him, as they talked with him, as he told them that he, they were his own. I can almost hear Jesus singing the same song in the garden with the guys because he loved them and cared for them so, so much. So he dwelt among them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul tells us that it's the fellowship of his Son that has been given to you and to me for all who believe. So John and the other apostles had felt that. They have seen it and they had heard it. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 2. So we have in the beginning of creation, we have in the beginning when the Son of God came to earth, manifested as man, God incarnate, Now we come to the beginning of the church. And I just want to read a few verses from here. And in this particular passage is the first time the word koinonia is used in the Bible or in the New Testament. And look what he says about this koinonia. If you're not familiar with this time, this is the day um, uh, after Pentecost. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came and filled him. And then we see that Peter came and he preached this message. And 3,000 people were saved. That is one big crusade right there. 3,000 people got saved in the city of Jerusalem. And in verse um, 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all. And anyone had... And as anyone had need, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the beginning of the church, 3,000 people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. What do they do? Automatically, they start hanging out together, not Sundays and Wednesdays, but every day. In my mind's eye, I can almost see it happening. As they, as they go to work in the morning, they get up in the morning, they go to work, and they're, they're walking down, and they're just like, Jesus, Jesus. And people are like, who? What? Jesus? You don't know about Jesus? Come over tonight. We're going to have some poutine? <laughs> come on over. I want to share this with you. You know, and, and so they come up. Did I say it right this time? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm so, poutine, thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You're going to go, those Americans. <laughs> so you can almost see it daily. At nighttime, they're coming over and they're sharing a meal. They're sharing the apostles' doctrine. They're sharing the word of God. They're praying with one another. This fellowship is this intimate relationship with people they likely met on the day. So when we think about how Jesus built the church through fellowship doesn't that change our perspective a little bit think about you and in your situation the opportunity that you might have on your way home from work you might get in a car accident or you'll see somebody cutting you off and instead of getting mad at him pull up and say hey come on over i'm serving food <laughs> right and and all of a sudden jesus is building the church through fellowship now, there's a couple things that really um, stuck, stuck out to me. Where's the book of Acts? It disappeared. <laughs> what really stuck out to me here, let me turn there, was the word in verse 43. It says, then fear came upon every soul. Now, when I first thought about this, I thought fear came upon every soul that believed. But he doesn't say that. He says, fear came upon every soul. So what kind of fear is he talking about? Did all of a sudden everybody in the city go, oh no, what's happening? They're going to take over the world. No. The word for fear there means awe. Awesome. That's how they sit in Southern California. That is awesome. What's going on over there? Why are those people meeting in the homes? And why are they hanging out? And why are they feeding one another? And why are they praying for one another? What is, what's happening? They were in awe of the power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And they, they were blown away by what was happening there. And so was the whole city that surrounded them. So we talked a little bit about this yesterday, about how God commissioned us to be witnesses. Paul says that we are empty vessels filled with the power of God, that the love of God people would see, that we might subdue the world, that we might take over the world, not by power of the human might, but by power of the Holy Spirit, which is love. That's what fellowship is. That's how Jesus built the church, through fellowship. So, this is why Paul became such a huge fan of the word koinonia. He uses the word 15 of the 20 times that it's used in the Bible. I thought that was very interesting. And Paul was very passionate about fellowship. I want us to turn just to a couple of places so we have a greater understanding of what that word means. The first place is in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, we see that fellowship, koinonia, is seen in our unity. Just like we just read. They were, everybody was sharing everybody. Every, everybody was sharing everything they owned. They were sharing their positions, possessions for one another. And they were, they were doing this freely. And this is why when the Holy Spirit comes in us, our example is Jesus. Verse 1. 1 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Therefore, 
If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness and of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We have Jesus as this example of humility, of considering others more than ourselves. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus went to the cross because of the joy. Great joy and great suffering. The in-between stuff, boring. You're thinking, suffering, no. We don't want to suffer. I became a Christian so I wouldn't have to suffer. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. A lot of people suffer because of financial difficulties. Because of a loss of job or whatever the case may be. And they're wondering, how are we going to make ends meet? And this was happening. Um, did I... 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Did I say that? Okay. Oy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, what's happening in the background here is that Paul is on his third missionary journey and he is out fundraising. He's out raising money to help the Jews who were starving from a famine that was happening in Jerusalem. So he went to the churches in Macedonia, which were Gentiles, and he asked them for money for the Jews in Jerusalem, which is, when you look at the historical part of that, that stuff just didn't happen. But because Christ was their life, they had broken down the barrier between Judaism and Gentiles. And so the Macedonians gave with a cheerful heart, Paul says. And look what he says in verse 13. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorified God for the obedience of the confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing, koinonia, with them and all men. The giving. There's a, there's a woman in our church named Diane, and, and Diane is one of, those, one of those people you're just like, I don't get it. She suffers, she's in her 60s. She suffers with lupus. And... Um, she has to work full-time because of circumstances in her life. And so she gets in her car at 4.30 every morning, Monday through fri Friday. She drives up to a city called Torrance, which takes about an hour and a half. She gets to work uh, an hour early because she doesn't want to get stuck in traffic. So she'll get to work an hour early. She'll, open, she'll sit in her car, she'll open up the Word, and she'll read and she'll pray for an hour. She'll go to work all day. She'll get off work. She'll get stuck in traffic coming all the way home. She does this five days a week. She's in her mid-60s suffering with lupus and cancer. Do you know what you see when you see her? Joy. I mean, yeah, when you look at her, you're like, man, she's got to be in pain. But when you talk to her, this <laughs> face just lights up. And she's like, Jesus is so good. I don't know why. I don't know why he's putting me through these things or allowing me to go through these things, but I have such joy. The doctors can't figure out how to treat the cancer, and she's like, God, I'm in your hands, Lord. I know you're with me. And it's just such a beautiful testimony of what true fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit can have when we have one another. And so the church... They, they give her money. 
you know, one time this, uh, the lady comes up in our church and says, we want to buy Diane a car. Her car's falling apart. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, we're suffering too. <laughs> I thought that. And only you know that. So don't spread the rumor. But um, I said to her, I said, well, yeah, pray and see what God does. So she started to pray and started to share it with some of the people in the congregation. And the congregation got together with the whole, the whole amount of money to buy her car. And at first, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't have to get up from the pulpit and say, hey, Diane's having a hard time. Let's buy her car. No. The people that were in fellowship with Christ got her a car. And it just was such, such a blessing. In Philippians 3.10, Paul, Paul's talking about the suffering that he, the fellowship of his suffering brings resurrection. And that resurrection isn't at the end times. It is. We do all get resurrected. But he's talking about a resurrection through the hard times now. And he paints this beautiful picture of how that happens through the fellowship of his suffering. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, he says, why, why do people suffer? Because the comforter will come and comfort them, and through that comfort, they will comfort others. It's all about fellowship. My wife is a cancer survivor, and uh, I, think she's, I think she's 16 years cancer-free now. But my wife and, all, and I had always served in the ministry. It wasn't, it wasn't that just, it's just something we did. But when she went through cancer, and seeing how God met at us every single day, um, the only thing that she could eat for six months was like mashed potatoes. The good thing is I can make really good mashed potatoes. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> put some gravy on there and some cheese curds, it'd be great. Um, but through that, the, the church would be bringing all this food over, which she couldn't eat, but I had to. It was awesome. But we... <laughs> I gained a lot of weight in those days, but we had such great fellowship that it took us into that place of leaving the business world and going to the ministry full-time because of what, what others were doing because of that true fellowship. And you know what? Both of us today could stand up here and say, during that time of suffering, we experienced the greatest joy because Jesus met us all the way not just him through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but through one another. Think about that when, you, when you're thinking about how can I serve the Lord? There you go. Just keep your ears open and see how the Lord would use you. And that's where we find the joy. He's taking our sorrows and turning them into great joy. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, Too many Christians are passive in their loss of joy. They need to realize it is a great loss and do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim that fullness of joy. Of if any of you have lost the joy of the Lord, I pray you do not think it a small one or a small loss. How many of us want a greater fullness of joy? How do we do it? Through Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, we serve one another in fellowship. That's where the joy comes. That is the paradox of Christianity. The world tells you you need to serve yourself. Or is that Bob Dylan? He did that too. But the world tells us, you know, we have to serve someone. Oh, that was Bob Dylan. But the point is that we, when we do serve others is when we experience the greatest joy. Now, I'm just, I want us to go back to 1 John to address one last little issue, and I'm not going to go in depth on this. I just want to kind of tie up this whole thing because this is the reality. When we are in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we're in fellowship with one another, there are still times that we feel depressed, right? There are still times that we just, we just, Things are just hard. And I, I want to just to bring this up to, to show you that John brought it up and that we all suffer from this. 
but he gives us the cure to it. In verse 5, he says, This is the message which we have learned from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from our sin. When I was teaching this one time, somebody asked, well, can a believer walk in darkness? Because so often we think of darkness as these horrible evils, and it can be. But what is the darkness that he's talking about? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Because really what he's talking about is believers walking in the light is where we're going to find the fullness of joy. So it's interesting because in the prologue, John starts off that he is writing about these things that he has seen, that he has heard, that he has touched. And here he begins with something that he had heard. Jesus himself said to him, the light of the world. As light, God both exposes man's sin and condemns them. Nine times through uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he uses the word sin. It's sin that separates us from God. It's sin that takes us into darkness. And he's saying that darkness is sin. Now, so often we have this idea that sin is these horrible things that we do. No, we are all sinners. Yeah, thank God we're saved by grace, but we're still all sinners. The word simply means to miss the mark. It's an old English term that was used in archery. If someone, if a, an archer were to shoot an arrow and it would miss the bullseye, they would call him a sinner because they were missing the mark. So when we think about sin, we're, we're, we're missing the mark. We're not walking in the light. We're walking in darkness. We're walking in the wrong place. And he says, if, if we say that we have fellowship God, with God, but we're walking in, in darkness, we are a liar. Now, that might sound really harsh, and it can be, but this is the reality. Sometimes when we come to church, we put on these pretend faces, don't we? I'm so happy, I'm so joyful, you know, and people are like, yeah, everything's great, you know. No, life is not great. Be vulnerable, be open. It doesn't mean you have to come in and be a doubting Thomas. Oh, man, <laughs> life stinks. You stink. Everybody's, st no, he's not saying that. Because when we walk in the light, it changes our whole perspective can believers walk in darkness yes it's important to understand that john is writing to believers here and he gives us the clue of walking in darkness and walking in the light i think there's a difference here between relationship and fellowship what do i mean when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become a child of God. We're, hey, we're, we're in the family. That's relationship. What is fellowship? Relationship is accepting Christ, but fellowship is experiencing Christ. Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. The abundant life is experiencing Christ. Experiencing Christ gives us a fullness of joy in spite of our outward circumstances. Regardless of what's happening in your life, you're going to have this sense of joy because Christ is in you. He's walking with you. He's telling you that you are his own and that he loves you. And he is working these things out together, not only to bless you, but to bless others and to trust him. You see, the key to the contented life is communion with Christ. And I have to be so bold to say that you will not find contentment in anything that this world has to offer. Money, politics, power, relationships, all of those things are, are good for a moment. And they are good, but they can never experience the greatest joy of them until Christ is in the middle of them. 
And that's what it means to be walking in light. And I believe this is the lesson that John is wanting us to know. When we say the word darkness, it is not meaning that you're, you've gone off the rails, you've backsidden so far. It can be, for sure. But what it means is all you need to do is start walking in the light. How do I do that? Well, the word sin is used nine times in, in this whole passage. And then he talks about if I confess my sins, he says there in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, uh, and I already read it in verse 7. And the, sh- um, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So as soon as we start walking in the light, he's cleansing us of our sin. He's, he's, he's purging us of these things. And once we come to him in confession of sin, man, we're back in the light. And we're walking in the light and we're experiencing those things. You know, I, w- I was thinking, John had mentioned this the other night when he was teaching about Christians that have suffered with great depression. And, and, you know, a lot of Christians say, well, they must not be saved. They must not have the Holy Spirit. And he brought up Martin Luther. That Martin Luther uh, caused him great depression. I was thinking about Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if you know this, but Charles Spurgeon had a huge problem with gout. And there were days, it, it, very dark days for him. And so we, we, we look at these two men of God and we say, wow, here they had dark days, but it was the light of Jesus Christ that brought them out of it. Because we're human. What really struck me about this was an article I read in August 27, 2018, that It's by the Christian Post. It said this, Inland Hills Church grieves with their heavy hearts as our lead pastor, Andrew Stockling, was welcomed into heaven on Saturday night after battling depression and anxiety. It's not the outcome we had hoped and prayed for, and today we give as a church family. So this guy's from a city not far from us, 33 years old, their, their church is just blowing up. They, they're having to extend their campuses and they're doing all these multi-site things, you know, you read about. God is, and every person that interviewed him or interviewed people that knew him said the same thing of him, that he was just a godly man and he loved Jesus and he was always pointing people to Jesus. And if that's true, then why was he in darkness? Why did he suffer with such great depression? Was there something that could have happened that would change it? I don't know the answers because I didn't know him. But I do know that part of walking in the light is not only walking with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but it's also walking in the light with one another. You see, there's an aspect of fellowship that is so deep and intimate, it's called accountability. It's called about vulnerability. Those things that especially men have a really hard time with. Women are really good at this stuff. Have you ever noticed that? (gasps) Did I tell you what happened today? You know, men are like, oh, yeah, things are cool. You know, men, we have to take on and learn from our wives that it's okay to be vulnerable and to be open. Why? Because sin separates you from fellowship with God and with one another. The effects of sin in the garden with Adam and Eve was shame. If you read any article on shame today, you will see that the first sign of shame is autonomy. They're hiding themselves from God. As we think about this fellowship, the words one another are used over a hundred times in the New Testament. Love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, admonish one another. We're to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, that we might love one another with that same sort of love. And so we have to be in communion with Christ. So, when we think about church buildings, we need to look at the people are the building blocks. That's what you guys are. You are the church. That word church simply means called out ones. It doesn't mean a building. A building is a place that we can come into and enjoy one another, church. And so when we think about 
building the church of God, think about evangelism. Think about accountability and fellowship. Think about all of these things that are going to bring people to Christ. Because God loves us. When I thought about Adam and Eve in the garden, there they are hiding themselves in fig leaves. Right? We talked a little bit about this. And the fig leaves are, you know, it's a, they're very creative. They covered themselves. They were accomplishing what they wanted to do. But fig leaves, as we talked about, are sticky and prickly. They can't be comfortable. There's nothing that in this human philosophy will be comfortable in a person. And so God's calling out to him, Adam, did God not know where Adam was? Well, of course he knew. Why was he calling out to Adam? To give him an opportunity to respond. So, I have two granddaughters. One is six years old and the other is just turned four. And um, I don't even have to, they're the cutest kids in the world. I'm, <laughs> they just melt my heart even thinking about them. But when my, when my oldest granddaughter was three years old, we used to go down to our park and play hide and seek. And so when we get down there, she would say, Poppy, that's me, Poppy, you count 10, I'll hide. And I'm like, okay. 1,001, 1,002, and she's like running behind the water fountain and behind the tree, and she's going from here to there to here to there, just giggling the whole time. And it's funny for me because as I'm counting, I'm watching her the whole time. <laughs> I'm not going to take my eyes off my three-year-old granddaughter in a public park in Southern California. You just don't do those things. And so I'm just like an eagle watching her, and finally she finds I get to 1,010. And she's hiding behind this tree. And so just to play along with her, I'm like, okay, where's Penny? Is she behind the water fountain? No. Is she behind the garbage can? No. Is she behind this tree? No. And, and she could hear my voice getting closer and closer. And as I got close to the tree, she would jump out, Poppy! <laughs> and I just thought to myself, oh, my heart is so warmed. This is why it's warmed. God the Father does the same thing for us. Maybe you're here today hiding behind a tree. Maybe you're not even, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Or maybe you do know Jesus, but you're just walking in darkness. And, and so you're running and you're hiding. You're wondering, where can I hide from God? You can't. He loves you way too much to take his eyes off of you. And he's watching you and he's looking at you and he's waiting for you to jump out from behind your hiding place and say, Papa, Abba, Father. You know what he's going to do? Just like the prodigal son, he's going to hug you, he's going to kiss you on his neck, and then he's going to give you really good stuff. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> but he is going to hug you and kiss you. And so I just want to end today's service um, giving you an opportunity to respond to this call. And so this is, this is something between you and God. This isn't between you and others. This is, this is very personal between you and God. And so maybe the worship team can come back up or maybe just um, a couple of the guys or whatever. And, and as they're coming up, I just, I just want to share this with you that God is here in this room. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and he's wanting us to respond to him. He's wanting us to come back into fellowship with him. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're, you're in fellowship with him and everything's good, and that's great. If that's you, then I want you to pray with me for those that maybe are walking in darkness today. And maybe they're in that place of like, man, my life really stinks, and I want to feel that fullness of joy. Well, I want to pray for you. But first, I want to pray for those that maybe don't even know Jesus. And so what I want to do, so we have complete autonomy between just you and God, is all of us just to bow our heads, close our eyes, and let me just pray for everyone. Heavenly Father, first of all, we are so thankful that you are here. I feel your presence, Lord. I know you're here. You said 
yourself. When two or three are gathered, there you are in our midst. So we know that you are here right now. And so, Lord, I just want to begin by asking if there's anybody in this room today that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Right now, just everybody's head is bowed, everybody's heart is open and praying for you. If that's you, just, just raise your hand for a second because I'd love to pray for you. Oh, thank you. Father, for the soul that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that as Jesus said, no one comes to the Father unless he draws him to himself. And we know, Lord, that you are drawing this person to you right now. And so I just pray, Lord, that you draw them into your presence, that they would feel the fullness of your joy, and they would simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm in desperate need of you. I welcome you in my life. If that prayer was said by you, God is going to come and meet you in a powerful way and give you that fullness of joy. But what about those that are here today that might be walking in darkness and just in a dark place? If that's you today, just, just raise your hand. Nobody's watching. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, thank you. Yes, God. Lord, we saw the hands that just raised. And I'm, I'm going to raise my own hand, Lord, <laughs> because there are days that we walk in darkness. And Lord, I pray for those that raise their hands today that they would not leave here in darkness but in light. And that, Lord Jesus, you would even now remind them of how much you love them and care for them. And Lord, by them raising their hands, they jumped out from behind the tree. So hug them, Lord, kiss them, Bring them back into your family, Lord, to where they will experience the fullness of joy in communion with you and with one another. Lord, we're thankful that you are so faithful. And Lord, for the rest of us in this room, Lord, <laughs> thank you that so many are in, in fruitful fellowship with you now. But I do pray for them too, Lord, that you would increase their joy by increasing their opportunities to serve you and to love others. Lord, do that in this church more and more. I can tell already, Lord, it's a church that loves you and loves one another, but is there an end to the love? Absolutely not. It only gets greater and greater. So pour your spirit upon this congregation in a powerful, powerful way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord this last song here. What a beautiful name.